opportunity. And normally I host the afternoon, I co-host the afternoon drive program at 680 CJOB in Winnipeg. And I'm still doing that and filling in here. But it gives me an opportunity to talk a little bit at times about, well, about me. And in this case, I'm going to tell you that a few years ago, I overcame one of my biggest fears, and that was the fear of water. Um, As a child, I almost drowned and spent most of my adult life avoiding water as much as possible. Oh, yeah, I could go in to about my knees, maybe to my waist, but I always had to touch. And then you hit that certain point in life where you decide that you're going to do some things. And in this case, I took swimming lessons and learned how to swim. I'm not a confident swimmer, but I'm getting there. And I do a mean backstroke. And I bring this up because I fear during the pandemic and the fact that there are many Canadians that didn't have access to the pool and to swimming lessons that there are children and adults who have missed out. And certainly now across this country, we are seeing a shortage, a shortage of lifeguards. And in the great Canadian summer that we have, where there is an affection for getting out in the great outdoors, getting to the beach and getting into water, the last thing you want to be is a news story. And unfortunately, that's going to happen in the weeks and months to come in this country. Dale Miller is executive director of the Life Saving Society of BC and Yukon branch, and he joins us this Monday evening, Tuesday morning. Thanks so very much for joining us. Great to have you. My pleasure, Richard. Thank you. Dale Miller, if you want to become a lifeguard, can you take us through the process of becoming a lifeguard? How many courses do you need to get certified to the point where you could save somebody's life? Well, there's really four courses involved. So the first one is called Bronze Medallion, and it's really some basic life-saving skills. Bronze Cross is the next level, and that uh, recently is adjusted to be designated a lifeguard course. And then there is the National Lifeguard course that uh, teaches some to be a lifeguard, and, and a prerequisite for that lifeguarding course is standard first aid. So it's really those four basic courses that can get you there. Now, a lot of employers, of course, are also looking for the instructor certification, so that would be additional courses. So those are the four basic ones that somebody would need to become a lifeguard, though. And I would dare say thousands of people across this country have that certification. Am I correct in making that assumption? You are correct. There are many, and in fact... um, we're seeing many come back into the industry knowing that there is this shortage you've spoken about. And uh, so that's a good thing because it's, it's a great job and uh, people realize that. So if they have that ability and, and have the training from years ago, we certainly welcome them back to try to help with the shortage that we're talking about. And a lot of this was related to COVID in the fact that, um, and I know there's a labor shortage in almost any 
any area right now, but this is COVID related in, in, in that way? Very much so, yeah. That's uh, definitely COVID related. Unfortunately, as you said, the pools have either been closed or limited availability for over two years now. And uh, that, that has changed uh, a lot in the last uh, six months or so, of course. But so there's definitely a pent up demand there. And uh, uh, with the shortage of staff able to provide the swim lessons and, and the courses, uh, that makes things a little bit worse. But you're right, it's the same as, as any other industry. And I think uh, you know, we're certainly seeing a, a lot more youth get into training to be lifeguards and instructors. So I'm, I'm hoping that over time, we will see this shortage um, solved and, uh, and get back to providing swim lessons that are so important to Canadians. I wonder, though, that, you know, at the municipal level in towns and cities, whether we're just not paying lifeguards enough. Uh, because, you know, you're essentially in charge of people's lives. Mm-hmm. And at times, it's just above minimum wage or, 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 or a wage that's probably not as reflective of the responsibility and the training. Yeah, and that depends on, on the employer and, and what province you're in. But it actually, over the years, has been a very well-paying job. And uh, up in the, the 18 to $20 range to start over the years and, and certainly up from there. Um, now that gap between the good wage of a lifeguard and uh, lower paying jobs has, has decreased. So there are other opportunities for youth uh, and uh, those opportunities may not require as much training. But I can tell you from personal experience, uh, the lifeguard the instructor job got me through university and it's... Uh, it's a great job. You learn a lot of uh, personal responsibility, leadership, uh, physical fitness, and of course, all the first aid skills and emergency training that uh, is so important and can lead into so many careers and just excellent life skills that uh, that uh, lifeguards learn. Richard, in for Ben with Dale Miller of the Life Saving Society, BC and Yukon branch. Uh, so the two and a half years here in dealing with COVID, has a generation of swimmers uh missed out big time what i'm driving at here is whether or not there are many children and in some cases adults that are a whole lot more vulnerable to drowning we we may see that in years going forward and i had feared that we would start to see it uh, you know last year and this year but our statistics show, and, and we have the uh, National Drowning Research uh, Center that uh, got stats from this morning that are showing actually a decrease from last year. And, and it's still way too many, but uh, to date in Canada, we've seen 142 drownings uh, last year, or sorry, uh, 122, and last year it was 142. So, so there is a drop there. Um, we, we like that downward trend, but we're certainly aiming for zero. So I, I hope that we're wrong on this trend going forward. And as I say, I think uh, the problem is, is starting to resolve itself. But there's no denying that there is a two-year two-year gap here of uh, swim lessons being provided. So we are seeing, though, I, I don't know if you're aware that uh, the Red Cross in mid-January had decided to uh, exit the field of Learn to Swim. So the Life Saving Society is looking to take that over. And, and in some provinces across the country, that has been the case for many years. In BC, we have not provided those swim lessons, so we will 
start to do that. And, uh, you know, we're, we're seeing instructors come out of the woodwork, to be honest, and, and providing swim lessons at waterfronts, hotel pools, backyard pools. So we're really hoping that that's going to help uh, mitigate the, uh, the shortage of stuff. Is it fair to say those that drown are drowning in places where there isn't supervision? Yes. Yeah, that, that's very true. Um, and again, those statistics, uh, we see that less than 1% of drownings occur in lifeguard-supervised areas. And and so we certainly encourage anyone to, to go to an, an area where there is uh, lifeguard supervision, but... Uh, to be honest, here in British Columbia, there of of all the thousands of waterfronts we have, uh, we have 21 that have lifeguards, and 11 of those are the Vancouver beaches. So, so we wish there were more lifeguards on on more waterfronts. But uh, no, you're you're exactly right that that is the the case as far as the drownings go. Yeah. Well, and I also think that when I get in a car, it's not only law, but I I, I feel naked without a seatbelt. I'm wondering how many Canadians feel that way when they get into a boat when it comes to a life jacket. Yeah, it's it's a tough one. I mean, the the, the law says that you must have a, a life jacket or personal flotation device that fits properly for everybody in that boat, but it does not require them to wear it. And and that's the problem that you're talking about. And it's I, I wish it was as natural as as seat belts and. I, I don't foresee in the near future legislation to mandate that. Um, Why? But, uh, Why is that so archaic? Because it seems to me, uh, you know, a fair comparison that seatbelts save lives, as do airbags, so do life jackets. If people aren't smart enough to wear a life jacket, at times that's the role of government to put in rules and regulations to to fill the void of of people's lack of common sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no, I certainly agree with you, and, and I wish that were the case, and uh, we certainly advocate it to, through Life Saving Society. It hasn't happened yet, but we're, we're hoping that it might in the future, and, and there's also those who, who push against those kinds of regulations as too much of a nanny state and, and uh, don't want to be told what to do, but uh, if we go back to, as you say, the seatbelt laws, bicycle helmet laws, those kinds of things. There was a, a lot of uh, rejection of those to begin with as well, and they've certainly saved lives. And we know through, again, the research that we do through Life Saving Society that uh, if people were wearing a life jacket, uh, those numbers I just talked about would uh, be drastically dropping. Dale Miller is with us from the Life Saving Society of BC and Yukon Branch. You can always comment on what you hear whether you agree or disagree or add to the conversation, you can text us right now at 877-399-9898, 877-399-9898. I'm Richard, in for Ben. Richard Cluche, in for Ben. Great to have you with us. Dale Miller is with us, Executive Director of the Life Saving Society, BC and Yukon Branch. And across Canada, there is a shortage of lifeguards, and it has raised concern about the next generation of swimmers. Uh, Dale Miller, how bad is the shortage? Well, I think it differs across the country. I mean, and and even within uh, municipal uh, regions, uh, we see in uh, British Columbia in particular that uh, some municipalities are, are doing just fine and others 
unfortunately have had to um, possibly shut down their outdoor pool this summer. Um, and in fact, uh, even the indoor pools, some have had to decrease the hours. So I don't think we're as badly off as what I'm hearing about in the States. I think that uh, uh, we're doing a little bit better here, but it is still a, a serious issue that we need to deal with uh, quickly. And and as I said before, I, I believe it's it's on the way uh, out of the uh, the problem that uh, we're seeing, but uh, there's a ways to go yet. Yeah, mid-July. And is it really fueled by wages that lifeguards have gotten jobs somewhere else uh, for more money? What gets them back? Well, I think the um, the, the money is certainly a part of it. But uh, they, as I said before, they are they are well paid. I think uh, they've maybe gone on to other jobs that um, that don't require as much training. But uh, I think. I think we'll see them coming back, and, and we've got a whole new fresh wave of, of lifeguards that are coming on board, too. One of the things Life Saving Society has done, too, to try to mitigate the situation is to dec- decrease the uh, training age for the National Lifeguard course. Instead of 16 years old, it, it's 15. Obviously, they still need to pass all the uh, the requirements uh, confidently and, and competently, but um, we're hoping that that will um, introduce a new group to uh, to lifeguarding and, and instructing. And, uh, and in fact, nationallifeguard.ca is a great website where youth can learn more about becoming a lifeguard and, in fact, uh, get a direct link to courses available in their municipality as well. Dale, as a lifeguard, have you ever saved a life? I have, yes, I have. Yeah. What's mm-hmm. that like? It's a great feeling, certainly a, a big adrenaline rush the first time you do it, but it's um, it, it's interesting, you know, um, people have a certain view of lifeguards and, and really 99.9% of their time is prevention. That's really what it's all about. They, they hope never to have to uh, get into a situation where they save life because they've pre- prevented those situations from occurring. So that's really what it's all about, and, and that's why there are lifeguards uh, out there to to try to guide people in the right direction so that they're not getting themselves or, or loved ones into trouble. What happened that first time you saved a life? I was a, it was a fairly innocent situation. It was in a, uh, a swimming pool, and uh, uh, there was a, a young child that had gone uh, down over the, uh, the deep end unknowingly, and, uh, and uh, it was just a, a quick dive in and... and uh, the training kicks in very quickly. It's amazing how, uh, and anybody who has done uh, CPR and, and first aid skills and lifeguard, lifeguarding as well, um, those training skills kick in very quickly once you've got them uh, ingrained. And the little one was okay? Yeah, yeah. It was a, a pretty minor situation that could have certainly been more serious, but... Uh, and, you know, I'll bet you that just about every one of your listeners could uh, relate to a, a personal circumstance or certainly someone they know who has had a close call and um, or, or someone who has drowned. So, you know, everybody's got those uh, that history and, and some knowledge of what can happen and how quickly it can happen as well. And that's the amazing thing. You go out for a beautiful day on the water and... Uh, Something goes wrong, and all of a sudden you've got an emergency on your hands. So it can happen very quickly, but um, a lot of times we, we have some great stories of, of rescues as well by, by ordinary citizens. So those are the good news stories. Dale Miller, thanks for doing 
what you do and uh, get out there and be a lifeguard. Dale Miller, you bet. Us. Thank you very much.